Immediately a man was nailed to the cross, he lost all his rights. And if you ever get nailed to the cross, you lose all yours too. We love ourselves so much. And who are, you, who are we talking about now? Unbelievers? No. So-called believers who have never understood what it is to take up the cross and put self to death. See, because in the last days there's going to be very little preaching about the cross and death to self-life. And so, when there's no preaching against death on death to self, self is going to flourish in the lives of many Christians. They won't even know that you cannot follow Jesus if you love yourself. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the jailhouse. <clears throat> I'm asking you, is Christ, does Christ live in you? Christianity is the only religion in the world where a man's God comes and lives inside of him. Thanks be to God that when I finally acknowledge that I can't do this, it's not possible for me to live the Christian life on my own. I, I'm not called to chart my own course. I'm not called to create my own destiny and ask God to bless it. I'm called to follow Him. I'm called to give up the rights to my life and walk with the Holy Savior. I'm called to let His mind be formed in me. His life become my life. His ways become my ways. His purpose become my purpose. His plan become my plan. And then the power of God will come upon me. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run! Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Morning and welcome to the Removing Confusion podcast. Tom Richardson here. It is April the 17th, 2023, if you care. And believe it or not, I got the date right for a change. It doesn't really matter when I do it, these things. It's when you listen. You may not listen until the 25th. That doesn't make any difference. The, the message that we give never changes. I don't, I don't come here to... Uh, expound on the news like I used to a lot and I had people that liked that but I I grew a little bit weary of it because it's always bad uh, <laughs> it just it just never resonates well because good news is hard for people to understand that you know there it just doesn't exist in the news cycle so we moved kind of towards a more biblically based format and i feel a whole lot better for it now I, I i do talk about things that are going on in our world around us as i've said before and it's good i think we we need to be aware we need to be cognizant 
of the wiles of the devil. There are people that say, oh, no, it says in Philippians chapter 4, blah, 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 you know, put your mind on the things above. Then they'll sit and watch 14 hours of news or listen to three hours of uh, conspiracy talk. Ephesians 5 tells us to reprove those things that are going on in the background. Show them to people so that they know that there's a devil that's in the waiting, in the wings waiting. The king is coming. Every eye is looking out for you. Coming. You know, in the old days, I'm talking back in the middle periods, dark ages, whatever, if the king was on his way into town, they spruced the town up as best they could. Because, you know, a lot of people lived in squalor. And they would do their best to clean up whatever they could, get the trash out of the street and maybe the dead bodies, who knows? I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that happened in those days. But they would do their best to get ready for the king. The king is coming. We have to be ready. Even today, the president, oh God, the one that we have now, even though, whatever, he's coming. Clean up that street. Get that human waste out of the way 
figure out what streets that we can go down. The Secret Service has a job. And they have they've got a it's actually quite tough. I've I've uh I've I've witnessed it. But the they they they'll they'll weld the manhole cover. Oh, I'm sorry, now let's say manhole. And I, I do it anyway. You know what it is. They'd weld them shut so that people couldn't pop out and take a shot at him. You know, every trash can, every item that could be used to cause him harm is moved out of the way. Somebody or somebody's placed to guard it, be it a regular everyday old cop from town or other federal law enforcement officers that they could pull in. Secret Service doesn't have that many guys to do that job, so they would train people quickly how to do it. But, you know, the the city, they're going to brighten things up a little bit. Let's clean these things up, man. The president's on his way. The king's on his way. We have to do that same thing in our hearts, in our lives. Are you cleaned up? Are you waiting for the king because he's coming? Now, I'm not here to tell you when. I'm only here to expound on the news that he is coming. He will not delay. When his date is set, which it is, he will appear. Are you ready? Now, you know, most Christians are going to be, oh, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, no problem there. And you can't even get them in church. And if you get them there once, and you are one of the churches that still do an evening service, they won't be there that evening. And Wednesday, you might as well forget. The faithful ones show up, or those who feel like it's their duty. Some of us that have a ministry within a church somewhere, whether it's the music or the preaching or whatever, you know, maybe it's even tending to the little ones. They're going to be there. It's their duty. But I believe if you truly embrace the ministry that you've been associated with, it's not just a job. Sometimes it feels that way. I remember, I'll get to my message in a moment, but I remember going to a, a, a seminar for worship teams and uh, the speaker at this particular part of it was a guy by the name of Paul Balosh, very well known in the worship, praise and worship music uh, genre. And honestly, I, I believe he's he is a, a guy with a heart for God. I mean, he, he loves the Lord. It, it just seems to me that the things that he writes and plays and does it, it, it emanates from him. But anyway, he made a statement. He said, you know, we get so busy because we're, we have a job to do, which is now I've never gotten paid for doing this, but you know, playing in a worship team, I, the payment for me was enough just to be there that it was, you know, people accepted that, you know, my limited ability to play didn't stop them from throwing me off the stage and into a trash can. 
But the thing of it is, is he made a statement. He says, we get so caught up in the, in the busyness of it. We get so caught up in the doing of it that it becomes that thing we do. Now, I'm trying to remember exactly how it was put, but I believe that's how he, and this has been, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, but he said, it's that thing that we do. We just do it. He said one day came in for their practice and they sat down. They, they were, well, they, you know, they would always pray before they started and get ready for the, you know, tuning up and all that. And he says, put your, put your, put your instruments down. Just let's just put them all down. Step away from the drum kit. Put the microphones down. Let's all just come over. And they sat on the edge of the stage and had a Bible study. A Bible study that brought them back to why you're doing it. You know, you know the why in, in a capital W, why. Not the, well, I do it because the church needs it. And that happens to us all. If you are part of a ministry in a church, it gets to the point where and many, many pastors, that's why they start to fail or, or they lose the, the grip of what they're doing. They're just doing it because it's the only thing they know. So they just do it. And their, their, their ill effect on people after a while, it can wreck a church. It can ruin believers because they they start to think, man, you know, it's just the same old, you know, here here's our here's our setup, you know. We go we come in, we sing a few songs, we say a prayer, sing a few more, the preacher takes over and it's just blah 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 because the spirit has left the building. Now people will get all wound up and say, "Ah, the spirit lives within me." Yeah, but you know that spirit needs fed your spirit, the Holy Spirit's there. But there's a lot of times he's quenched. That's why Paul told us not to quench the spirit of God. You know, there's there's three things, four things really, but three things, quench, resist, and vex the spirit of God. You don't want to do any of those. You know, that doesn't mean run around the, the building yelling, I'm on fire, and, to, and you know, beating on your head or something like some of the charismaniacs do. But, you know, when you feel it, you know, it's an expression that's waiting to come out. There's the utterances of the Spirit, which are uh, really quenched these days in a lot of the denominational churches. Now, sometimes people get carried away again, but you know when it's real, and people can feel it when it's real, when the Holy Spirit is working in a service, in a speaker, in the congregation, because you just have to get past the, well, let's go do it again. Like Paul Balash said, we were just doing it again. We had to sit down and remember the who and the why of the music. We're, the who is Jesus, not the congregation, 
but Christ first and foremost. The why is Christ first and foremost. What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, being. And then love your neighbors as you love yourself, as you would love yourself. I'm paraphrasing. You know what I mean. So the who and the why is always Jesus, always God, and then everybody else next. If you're doing it, the singing, the playing, the enunciating of the, of the word of God, first and foremost for the cause of Jesus Christ, then it will have the effect needed for the people, for your neighbor. Because you have shown you love God more. You have put him in the correct pinnacle position. He is on the throne. If he's not on the throne of your heart, as they say, who is? Is it you or has Satan slipped in somehow? And if it's you, it's close to the same thing. The flesh has nothing good. The spirit is where we want to be. The spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. Let us look at a bit of scripture here. It's one I believe I've probably delved into before. First Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. If you're using a Bible today, I would say to you, please, if you're one of those that do like I do and underline, put little stars, whatever, some shall depart from the faith, I would underline. And we'll delve, we'll we'll delve a little deeper on that in a moment. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I'm using the King James here. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Full stop for a moment. Listen to me. First of all, verse 1. Now the Spirit is speaking expressly. What does that mean? I mean, there's a comma after that. I like it when there's commas because that gives me a, a natural place to outline, which I didn't really do in this case, but we can do it just straight up. Spirit speaketh expressly. That means he's speaking very distinctly. He's not using all those Christianese pastor terms. He's telling Paul, as Paul writes this to young Timothy, the Spirit has told me distinctly, very clearly, with no mud in the water. So everything that follows after this should be very easy to take in and understand 
there you have it, comma, that in the latter times, there's no comma here, but we'll stop anyway, the later times, latter times, down the road a piece, around the corner, the time you and I live in right now. But it didn't wait that long either. A lot of heresy came right into the church in the first century. And then, of course, which would be, you know, A.D. 100 and on. John and Paul and Peter tried to hold it all together as much as they could where they were at, staying very in tune with their churches, writing letters, or being there in person, appointing pastors to look over these places like Ephesus, Corinth, Galatia, and on Jerusalem, Rome. But still, things are going to get out of hand. Paul said, you know, when I, when I leave, ravenous wolves will come in. Now he's straight up saying it in the later times, in the latter times. And, folks, we live in the latter times no matter what you say. We're latter from when Paul and Peter and John and James were running around back then, aren't we not? Look around you. Always be aware. I, I tell my wife when we go to the store, 360 degrees. You, know, you got to be aware of what's going on all around you, and then I fail at it myself. But it's good to know because I, what I'll do is I'll sneak up on her, and she doesn't even know I'm behind her. <laughs> oh, there you are. What are you doing? I'm like 360 degrees. Keep an eye on what's going around you. In the, in the world sense, we have to be really doubly watching, watching. You know, it's like, like say, uh, the, old, the old saying, it's like drinking from a fire hose. You know, you're getting, you're getting lambasted. You're getting hit hard by stuff all the time. Christian stuff. You know, just step away from the news for a minute with all the homosexuality and the trying to press push transgender, which is a nothing down my throat. I'm a transgender man. No, you're not. You're a woman masquerading or a, or man masquerading. Okay, get taken off of Spotify for that one, I'm sure. And Apple and everybody else. But at least I'll know I got taken off for a good reason. I say the truth. I don't sugarcoat. But even in the church, it's this is where if you're in church, you need to keep yourself in the Bible knowing the truth. Not cherry-picking your scriptures, but know the entirety as much as you can. Soaking it in, and then when you hear something that's off, you know, it just doesn't sound right, you can go to it and say, well, that ain't right. There's people who make all kinds of uh, noise from the pulpit. There's people who say things, and because they're up there and everybody loves them, oh, we can't say anything against brother so-and-so. I don't care who it is, John, John McCarthy, Carther, Carther, John MacArthur, down to the lowest guy in the smallest church in 
the hills of Kentucky. They say stuff that they believe, but they haven't studied it out. They, they think they know that it's right, but it, it really isn't. But they're very adamant. They'll get contentious with you if you try to call them on it. I, you know, I got to the point where I just don't. I, I have, in, in this isn't being self-centered. When I hear bad stuff, or let's say ir- irresponsible and unbiblical things from pulpits, there's two people in this world that I feel I have an obligation to myself and my wife. Now she's smart enough to <laughs> when she hears this, some of the stuff you hear, it's like, Oh, that doesn't sound right. If it doesn't sound right, it probably isn't. But to give the person the benefit of the doubt, I'm going to search it out. That rhymes. Actually, I should start writing music. <clears throat> But in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. This is a thing where people say, you can't lose your salvation. It's impossible. God's a gift from God. It's a gift from God that I do believe you can return. I don't care what anybody says at this point. I know I'm going to lose a lot of uh, friends on that one, but that's okay. You have to understand, read this thing. Don't listen to the doctrines of some group of men that sat around the table and said, well, this is what this means to me. Well, I'm not sure, but, you know. The Bible says in the latter days, latter times, some shall depart from the faith. And what do they do, comma, giving heed to seducing spirits, comma, and doctrines of devils. Seducing spirits just means these things make me feel good. That doesn't necessarily mean that you've moved in with a, with a, a, a fortune teller or that you've been a possessed by the devil. But it says you are listening, giving heed. That word heed is a lot stronger than it sounds. And I'm going to give you the uh, biblical interpretation of it here in a moment. Giving heed. To bring a ship to land... Well, I don't think you have to worry about that. Give attention to or take heed. Take great attention. Apply oneself to, attach oneself to, hold or cleave to a person or thing. Being addicted to something. Now, you don't have to be typically addicted to drugs. That's what we think. Oh, I'm I'm not addicted. I'm not a doper. It doesn't necessarily mean that now, does it? Now that we know that you can be addicted to a seducing spirit, you, you've given heed. You're, you're sold out to this thing. A hundred percent. Nobody's going to change your mind. And if you try to pull away, you almost feel like, Oh, I don't feel right anymore. 
there's a lot of things out there that folks get addicted to that you're like, how'd they get addicted to that? That's not even drug. Pornography is a major problem in the church and out because it's addictive. I've heard guys, I've known guys that were addicted. I've known people that have just dabbled with it. It's so prevalent now, though. It's it's so easy for people. There's videos and there's pictures all over the Internet. They're, they're free. And people get addicted to it. They get to the point where if they stay away, the flesh just crawls for to, to see those images again. Because the devil has sunk his claws into your brain. So they're giving heed. They're addicted to these seducing spirits and their doctrines of devils. See, that's a conjunctive, conjunctive thing. They've departed from the faith. They've apostatized. They've left the faith. That's, depart doesn't mean, you know, well, I'm just going to step over here for a minute. I'll be right back. This is they're departing from the faith and now they've given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, not, well, maybe one or the other. They've hopped on the boat, and they're, they're riding with both of them. This is a very scary passage of Scripture. John 2.18, I'm sorry, 1 John 2.18, book of 1 John 2.18 Little children, it is the last time. What's he saying? We're in the end times. Even John. Now, see, there's a lot of people who say, well, they, they, they felt like Jesus could come back any time back then. And I'm going to tell you right now, Peter didn't know that. Peter was told how he would die. Sorry, left that one out, didn't I? Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many antichrist whereby we know that it is the last time now if there were many back then this is probably in ad 80 or 90 this is 2023 i guarantee you there's more of those antichrists running around now than there were back then just because there are more people of god around and the Antichrist spirit wants so badly to pull people down into the pits of hell. And look around you. Turn on the TV and watch a TV show. I dare you. I'm not telling you to do it. If you don't watch it anything at all, you're probably way better off than most. But everything that you watch has got queer stuff in it. That's one of those antichrist spirits. They, they, now, they'll say, well, I go to an LGBTQ-affirming church. That's not a church. That's not a church of God. That's not a church of Jesus. And I don't mean the Mormons. I just mean the church that was founded by the first church back 2,022 years ago or whatever. This is an antichrist church you cannot live in sin i did a 
I did a, a, a message over the weekend about in Luke chapter seven about the lady who comes and, and uh, anoints Jesus feet and washes his her yeah washes his feet with her hair and her tears. When she came in, it says a woman that was a sinner. And then the Pharisee, this is a a story of a Pharisee that had invited Jesus to his home for dinner so he could pick his brain. I think he was interested in what Jesus was doing. Maybe not as much as Nicodemus or Joseph Arimathea, but he was interested. But when this woman broke into the house and started this process of washing Jesus' feet with tears and hair, he sat there and he said, if this man was a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this is. She's a sinner. Now, the word sinner, when you dig deeper, it just simply means that this is a person who is currently engaging in an active participation of sinning, a certain sin. Now, many think that this was a prostitute, and she probably was. But she left that house a whole lot different than she came in. The guy who owned the house, a guy named Simon, we never hear about ever again. I would imagine he stayed the same as he was when Jesus came in. And a pompous, arrogant, religious man. I'd wish never to be one of those. There's a lot of Pharisees in the Christian church. I'm not saying they're lost, but I'm saying this. They don't have a, a they don't have that spirit about them of one who's going out and doing like Jesus did. Now I don't I don't say go to the bars and try to win people. You better know that that's a, a, a ministry that you've been called into. You don't just do it. But there are many places where we can, you know, break into, so to speak. Let's, let me rephrase that because what I'm getting ready to say is a little different. There are many places where we can get invited in or we can work towards an invitation like the prisons, the jails, and the nursing homes. These are places where people are hungry. These are places where you can pack a room because they've got nothing less, nothing more to do. And they'll give you that hour or whatever that you can give them, whatever the state allows. They want to hear the word of God. Now, some of these guys in the prisons and stuff, they know, they know the Bible better than any of us out here. They spend hours and hours and hours a day in prayer and in Bible stuff. I've known some. There are a lot that fake it, but there's a lot, or few, I'd have to say probably, that really are on fire for Jesus. They know they did wrong. And in the, 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 uh, the parable that Jesus gives to the Pharisee is simple. There's a guy who is owed uh, a common common day amount of money he owed 230 or 250 bucks and another man had owed 25 both were forgiven their debt by their creditor he says who do you think loved their creditor more of course simon the pharisee said well the man who owed more he said basically he was saying jesus this woman 
has been practicing sin for a long time, and now she's forgiven. You, on the other hand, have been a Pharisee who's you know, studied Scripture, lived it, whatever, but the spirit isn't there. They don't feel as forgiven, so to speak. They don't, they don't feel the depth of love towards Christ that perhaps this woman would. I'll tell you, I've done some things in my life that I really think that I don't understand why God would even look at me. But he does because I'm one of his kids. He doesn't want to see anybody perish. I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal of badness. You know, I, I never murdered anybody, but it says in the Bible, if you even thought about it, you committed it. But, you know, there's a lot of things in all of our lives if we really start to dig deep. You know, get get off the idea that, oh, I'm a good person. You're not. Jesus said it plainly as day. No man is good. Your goodness only comes from God. John wrote some wonderful things inspired by the Holy Ghost. And as we were talking in our scripture that I've only got through one of them so so far. I didn't mean to make this into a, a, a really deep as, um, exegetical, if that's a word, but you know, I, made, I make things up, exegesis of 1 Timothy 4. I didn't mean to do that, but it seems like we might be there for a day or two. That's okay. It's a it's a worthwhile scripture. Let's revisit it really quickly. I have to scroll up. I'm using my computer. It's very much not that I'm trying to cheat from it, but it makes it a whole lot easier for me to see. I don't see well. The Spirit speaketh expressly, very plainly, very distinctly, that in the latter times, hey, guess where you're living? Some shall depart from the faith. Now, he didn't say a lot. He didn't say most. He said some. So you can take that to the bank. Perhaps you won't be some of the some. I pray you're not. But some people will. They, they won't be able to stay in, in, in the faith with Jesus. Just like in, in, in that uh, scripture I was talking about where the lady anointed his feet, washed his feet, at the end, he told her, your faith has made thee whole. Go thy way. He told another lady it was caught in adultery, go thy way and sin no more. That means don't go back to where you came from. Don't go back and do the same thing all over again. You're forgiven. Goodness gracious. No altar call. I didn't hear just as I am being played. I didn't hear a preacher in the background saying, now you heard what Jesus had to say. So come forward. Do you know you can get saved right there in the pew and never step out of it? They make the altar call up, up there so that you can go out there and, and show how you were so touched by his words. The spirit works in his own way. You may walk into a church, never go to the altar and get saved right there in the pew. Maybe you're lost as a goat. But the word of God sinks into you. If the word of God's being preached, it can sink into you. It can show you where you're at right there in the pew. 
churches are 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 fundamentally great places. But I've, I've said this before, and I've been misquoted on it. But I, I'm going to say it to you that are my faithful listeners. You don't have to be in a church to get saved. You don't have to go and kneel at a a set of steps to get saved. You can get saved if you're a hunter or a fisherman. You may be out on the on the lake or walking around in the in the uh, in the field. You may not even have your Bible with you. You may not be listening to a podcast. But something that is in your spirit, something maybe you heard 10 years ago, listening to the radio or listening to a preacher, maybe you went to church on Easter and Christmas, and you heard something that kept bouncing around in your head. You could be out there and you just lean up against a tree and say, God, I'm sorry. Can you save me? And he will. You may wake up in the middle of the night laying in your bed, and you just... You change. See, it's not so much the Romans road in the words that you say. It's what happens in your life. Have you truly been born again? Have you truly felt a turnaround in your way of life to the point where the things you like to do before smoking, drinking, whatever they may have been, or maybe it was just trying to keep your hand up to God and say, I'm, I don't want to hear it. And you, you come to a point where I do want to hear it. I have to hear it. I'm hungry for it. Give me more. That is the, that is the, I mean, you just know. Now, if you have never felt that, I pray that someday you will. John wrote in Revelation in 2. Revelation 2, verse 7. He that have a hear, he that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now let me tell you something. He that overcometh is not the guy who raised his hand in in a, in a, a Bible study or a Sunday school class or even in the church or whatever, raised his hand, said, I want to change, and then never changed. He hasn't overcome anything. Overcoming. It's where we get uh, the, 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 uh, the Greek word for uh, is where we get the name for the shoes, Nike. You're an overcomer. You're a winner. You're someone who has stepped forward and said, I'm not going back. You know, 2 Timothy 3, 1 kind of mirrors, plays around with second or 1 Timothy 4, 1, that he says, know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Are they any more perilous than they are now? Have they ever been? They could have been, but I'm telling you right now, we've got wars all over the place. We are looking down the barrel of nuclear devastation. We see lining up on on all sides of us here in the United States the uh, the threat of the Chinese 
they've already moved into Canada. They, you know, a failed state as it's going. And that's right on our border. Now, we get so United States-centric, and I try not to, but I'm just sitting from where I'm at. I see the last bastion of hope for the world crumbling. And there's somebody somewhere that wants to see that. It's usually a principality, a power, a dealer in darkness that Paul told the people at Ephesus to watch out for, which just happens to be the 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 uh, pastor of the Ephesian church was Timothy. So here you go. Verse 2. First Timothy 4, verse 2. It's a there's a there's a semicolon at the end of verse one, so we'll we'll just hit it real quick. They'll, they're they're going to depart from the faith. They're going to give heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, and what are those doctrines of devils and seducing spirits doing? They're speaking lies in hypocrisy, and they have their conscience seared with a hot iron. So the people have decided to leave the faith. And now they're just going around spreading all kinds of lies, and they're living hypocritical lifestyles. Hypocrisy is simple. It's acting. It means someone who's wearing a mask, someone who says, I'm a Christian, and they, they aren't Christian any more than my dog over here is a tortoise. They're faking it. It gives them some prestige in something. You know, maybe they haven't been invited to join the Masons or they got kicked out of the Eagles or, or the Moose or the Elks or whatever else. Maybe they weren't good enough to stay on the bowling team, so they joined a church because a church will take in anybody, and if they raise their hand and say a prayer with them, they're saved, and they're no more saved than a cat. I said cats because the dog would bite me if I said dog. These people are going around just speaking lies in hypocrisy. They're lying in a life of lies. That's a that's a big it's a big statement. I'm going to get myself in trouble. I don't care. I love truth. I love truth. Speaking lies, the uh, Greek word, I'm looking at my um, blueletterbible.org, the uh, Strong's Concordance, number 5573, pseudo-logos, to say it correctly. They're using words. They're lying. They're using words to lie. It says, the outline of biblical usage. Speaking, teaching falsely, and speaking lies. Using using words. There's also a, a correlated term of psychodologos. It's a mendaciousness about it promulgating erroneous christian doctrine so you can you know if you if you study the scriptures you don't have to go deep you don't have to go even that deep but it's nice to know where do these words that we look at come from 
hypocrisy. So they're speaking lies. They're using false words. They may be using the Bible and twisting the scriptures to the point where it's fake because they're giving people a falseness. Hypocrisy, the act of a stage player. Didn't I just say someone who wears a mask? People who go on to uh, the stage in the old Greek theaters, they would wear different masks. They would put on a different one, you know, because they may play two or three parts. They're hypocrites. And that was a good, that was actually, you know, the way, the way they used it at that point was, hey, they're, they're hypocrites, man. But that just meant that they, they did their part right. They did it well. They made it so believable. that they've allowed their conscience their their brain their 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 intellect their will to be seared with a hot iron that literally we it, the uh, the greek word is interesting it's kasteriazo <sighs> Kosteriazo is where we got to get from the word cauterize. Uh, In this instance, though, it means to brand. Brand like a cow. Nobody wants to be branded like a cow. But yet many will allow themselves to be. There's a lot of that that goes on in the world of politics. You can tell some of these people, you feel bad for them. I really do. Uh, When my heart softens a little bit, and it has to, listen to me, it has to. When you see people even in your own family that you know, they think they've got it all wrapped up. but he's not or she's not political leaders there's there is a evil spirit that has taken them over uh are they possessed i don't know old uh, catholic priest and one one that i enjoyed listening to years and years ago he was he's dead now uh, father malachi martin and I liked him because he was interesting. He, I, I didn't, I definitely do not go along with the Catholic faith of any kind. But he, he was an exorcist, and he used to talk about there's people. He says I won't mention their names, but he says there are people in the nation's capital. He was a, he was actually a Brit, but he said there's people in your nation's capital who are perfectly possessed. Perfectly, you couldn't tell if they were. They could say whatever, you know, they lie so fluently and so well. You know, today we catch them because there's a lot of videotape and audio tape out there. But, you know, you got to watch that too. That stuff can be faked. Things can be taken out of context, trimmed and snipped and whatever. 
but there, if you're sitting there watching them live, you're kind of like, man, this guy's really full of himself or herself or itself, but they're perfectly possessed. This, the devil has given them, he's doing, they're doing what he wants. So he leaves them alone until the time to pull the plug. When they're, when they're, Usage is done. They are done. Um, sorry. Isaiah 9, 15 says, The prophet that teaches lies, he is the tale. Speaking of the ancient, the, the, the ancient and honorable, he is the head. That would be God or in our case, Jesus, who is God, by the way. And the prophet that teaches lies, he is the tale. So the guy who's going around behind the ancient and honorable, our God in heaven, our Father, and tells lies about our God and Father, he is the tale. Hear now this, Jeremiah 5.21 says, O foolish people, hear now this, O foolish people, and will and without understanding, excuse me, which have eyes and see not and have ears and hear not. There are people out there who just will not see the truth. You can smack them in the face with the truth and they will they just refuse to see it. They refuse to hear it. The truth does not set them free. The truth does not make them free is actually what the, the verse that Jesus used. That, 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 uh, yeah, there you go. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says the truth will set you, make. Sorry, I keep saying it. The truth will make you free. It will take you from being made in the image of Adam back to being made in the image of God. If you listen to the truth, if you understand the truth, if you fight in your soul and your spirit for the truth, this is important stuff. We cannot let the truth get overrun by false teachers and people who are delving into the doctrines of devils. Uh, Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus said, "Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but in inwardly they are ravening wolves." I've had guys that tell me I don't know what I'm talking about when I say that, but I I just see a uh for every every uh. Every wolf that puts on sheep's clothing, a sheep had to die. A sheep had to give up something. You can't you can't wear the skin without skinning something. All right, let me go on. I got four or five minutes before I kick this thing. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. These people are so sold out to their doctrines of devils and seducing spirits that they've been branded like a cow by the dark one. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them 
which believe and know the truth. I like ham. I like shrimp. They aren't necessarily the greatest things for us to eat. Those are things in the Old Testament that God said do not eat. But as long as it doesn't cause the person that I'm eating with, like say if I was eating with a Jewish believer and I I ordered up pork chops, I I would have to ask, wait wait a minute, is this going to, I don't want to cause you to stumble. You know, if you have a certain way of living, I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, look at me what I'm doing. You can do it too. Because it can, it can, it can sway people, it can you know, knock them off their feet. But the thing of it is, is this is saying don't, don't forbid to marry. Who, who are the people that are forbidden to marry? Oh, the Catholic priest maybe? And then you have the commanding to abstain from meats, which they actually do that as well for a spirit, a period of time on a Friday. Can only eat fish. What difference does it make? Listen to me. Jesus even said, it's not what you put in the body that defiles it. It's what comes out of your mouth. That's what defiles you. That, that was a scripture that during this whole fiasco with the vaccine stuff, and we got deep into that, too, probably too deep. I'm, I, re, I, I really apologize for that. And I had to do a lot of soul searching. Now, I still refuse to do that, by the way. But, you know, a lot of people were running around saying, it's a mark of the beast. You can't come back. No, you know, it may kill you. I, I can't say that it won't. I don't, I don't, I'm not even going to say that it will. I'm not going to I'm not going to throw out percentages like some doctors were doing and a lot of them did it just so they could stay on track with the fringe uh medical and fringe conspiracy guys because it made good news and it would just keep rolling back around and 60% of the people are going to die and all this kind of stuff. But let me I like what one guy said. He said, "Yeah, how many people are going to die from this shot?" He says 100%. Because 100% of all of us, if the Lord tarries, will die. we we got no way around it, do we? The wages of sin is death. The wages are still being paid for it. But there is a way for forgiveness of them. You know, we still pass on. This body will die. But when you do I threw that verse out, so I got to kind of touch it, I guess. The wages of sinning is eternal death. But Jesus made a way that we could skip around that. We're, we're, we still are going to, we're still going to sin. We're still going to do things and say things that we should not do and say. But through him and only him, Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness. We've been given a pathway out. And we can become children of the King. I pray that you have made that decision 
at some point. If you haven't and you're listening to me today, shoot me a message. We can talk some way or another. Give me your phone number. I'll call you. We'll talk. My my email address is in this show notes, or it's part of the profile. You can always contact me. Hit me up on the Facebook, but don't expect me to get back to you really quickly because I I don't look at it that often. But if you're really struggling, I'll do what I can do to help you. I'll point you in the right direction. Till the next time, this is Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion podcast, looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. I guess we'll look at some more the next time we roll back around. Have a great day. Have a great week. And uh, until next time, God bless you. Father, well, he's made me his own.